he's the husband of the widow or the unmarried woman. So we just thank God for his intervention for this family. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up this family. We come to you, Lord, asking you to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, that that there is no law against righteousness. So there's nothing against this prayer that we're praying for this family. We thank you, Lord, to heal their broken heart, bind up all of their wounds. We break the power of uh, familiar inherited suicide off this family. Suicide spirit, you will not visit them. You will not visit these children. You will not visit any familiar spirits. We curse your root and your fruit in the name of Jesus. And we render this family harmless you against what you have and so we thank you lord to put a hedge of protection around these children be a father to them lord every single day be a husband to their mother we thank you for this lord and we bless you and we praise you and we declare salvation has come to this family in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 so praise god amen so We're going to talk some more about healing today. I thought I would continue to, yeah, talk about healing. And we're going to talk about what happens when you turn it over to Jesus. Amen. So this will be about people who turned it over to the Lord. Amen. It's always good to understand that he alone is the healer. Himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. So that means he owns healing. Nobody else owns it but him. And so when you talk about people say all kind of crazy things, the devil can heal. Uh, no, he cannot. So, you know, he might con you into thinking. In fact, he probably told you to say that, you know. But, uh, you know, we're not deceived people. We're people who live in truth and we uh, understand truth. Uh, statues don't heal people. Um, idols don't heal people. Uh, nothing like that heals people. Now, if she starts snoring, you push her with your foot, okay? <laughs> right, see? See? That's what I'm talking about right there. Now, if you want to suck carpet for the whole meeting, I mean, come on now. We got an offering for that, don't we? Don't we charge for carpet around here still? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> Go sit up there and start snoring. I said, if I hear her snore, I'm just stopping everything. But anyway, <laughs> praise God. Bless you, Miss Alicia. Yes, you are released to pay attention and take notes. Ain't nobody sleeping up in here. <laughs> I even make the old people wake up. <laughs> wake up. Everybody. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Anyway, if you'll turn to Proverbs chapter 4, that's where I always like to start with healing and uh to encourage people that this is our healing covenant uh, that works through the Old and the New Testament. It's always been true, and it always will be true. Starting in verse 20, it says, My son, attend to my words. This was uh, Proverbs was a letter written by King Solomon, and he uh, he was writing it really to uh, through the Holy Spirit to all of the nation of Israel, everybody who claimed sonship in God, and that would include us. Amen. So God tells us to attend to His Word, pay attention to His Word, give it your full attention. And, and what it, that attention, really that word means, is a constant, undivided attention. Not interrupted by anything 
other than what the word says. So if you stay focused on the word of God, if you keep your mind totally on it, for instance, if if something happens in your life, some bad news or what would be an evil report or bad report come up into your, your life, you can not even address that, but turn your, your focus to God who has the answer. Amen. You want answers. You, we got enough problems. You can find problems. You ever know people like that? Things can be going along real well and they come up with something way off the wall. Huh? Why they would spend their time looking for trouble, I have no idea. But that's the way the carnal mind is. You know, some people, intellectuals are always looking for problems instead of solutions. You know, people who look for solutions tend to get help from God. Amen. One way or the other, he'll find help for them. And so when we talk about uh, the things of God, he wants us to understand where it starts. And it starts with giving attention to the word. He says, attend to it. Amen. And how do you attend to the word? Well, the next sentence tells you, he says, incline your ear. So what that means is when you hear the word of God being spoken, you kind of stretch your neck out so you can hear it real well. Amen. So that's inclining your ear to my sayings. Then he says, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So really, if you think about it, the way to keep them in the midst of your heart is not to let it depart from your eyes. In that way, you always keep it in the midst of your heart. For instance, when we first came to know the Lord, I I know I did this. I, I felt good when I got saved and was born again and I knew I was born again with that experience with that prayer because I believe that that prayer was what I needed to pray in order to be saved but how many of you know that the next day you can have a bad thought or you can have a, a doubtful thought or you know you can even sin again and then your salvation is put into question but then you think to yourself well If I prayed that prayer and that's real, if it was real one time, it's got to be real again. I mean, at some point you work through that doubt that popped up on you. And see, it's easy for us to do that with salvation. But for some reason, with healing and some other things that come up, we struggle. Now, let me tell you why we struggle. We've been taught to think that salvation is everything. Because then we can just fall back and say, well, thank God I'm saved. You know, this other stuff ain't working for me, but I am going to heaven, you know, one day. You know. It's, if you don't continue to believe God, it's going to be a real rough road, even getting to heaven. And some people don't make it. You got me? They return their salvation in for something else. Salvation really is a lifestyle and a pathway of life. It's a discipline. It's a way of life. So salvation isn't a one-time confession. Hmm? You mean to tell me that I'm going to serve God and you're going to serve God the best way we can? These backsliders sitting out there in the streets prayed a prayer one time and that's all they need? Seriously? Who are they serving in the meantime? You're not serving God if you're not in his word. You're not serving God if you're not a worshiper. You know, all these people running around here on social media that don't go to church, 
and trying to build an audience off a Facebook list of friends who are they are making enemies very quickly if they but knew it with some of the goofy stuff they put on there. They're not under anybody's authority. You ask them, you know, uh, well, you know, uh, how long, how long did you serve under your pastor? You have to, well, see, I don't, oh boy, when you hear that, well, see, I don't, you know, it's something fishy. Don't you just keep it moving, okay? Because there's only one authority of real power in this earth, and that's God, and He has a system. For, for, uh, spreading his power, for, for, uh, 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 disseminating his power in the earth. And his authority in the earth. That's just like somebody coming in your house, some strange man coming in your house and whooping you and telling you what to do. You ain't my daddy. Huh? So if you're not under authority, you don't have daddy's permission. I don't care how many different Greek words you have for daddy and put it on your Facebook post. You don't know him. If you're not under authority. See my authority as a minister. Came from the first minister I was under. Until God they shut the door. Locked us out the church. It couldn't go anymore. Amen. They kick you out of every church there is. And then I found out that prophets. Don't have to be under the authority of pastors. We're foundation laying gifts in the body of Christ. You know. But I was stuck there because God told me to be there, be under authority. And then when it's time for you to have your own, so to speak, ministry. But there are people that I submit to now. Most of them are dead. I do it by way of their books and their writings and all of that kind of stuff. See, ministers know how to get fed or they should know how to get fed. So until God tells you you've matured enough and, and puts you on your own, you stay under authority. You still need some teaching. Yes. There are times where I wish I had somebody I could just sit under all the time and didn't have to. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's always a part of sheep that's left in ministers. You're always still a sheep. You're God's sheep. And so we have to be careful when we when we start to uh, uh, step out and do the things of God. You can't let stuff go to your head and get real dumb around here. You, you always have to be under authority, under God's authority. So whatever He sets up for you, that's it. But we all have to have be discipled. You know, you got to have your time being a disciple and be properly discipled if you're called to fivefold ministry. A lot of people think they are, but they're not. And so when you start talking about authority and power and things of that nature it flows in a specific way in God's kingdom it, it doesn't flow outside of the kingdom of God so we we have to always be vigilant in that area so we're going to talk about healing proverbs 420 to 22 tells us the word is certain things to us and what are they well they're life number one because salvation is of God, and so the way to eternal life is in his word. John 3.16, we all know that. Amen. The Roman road, we know that. Confess in your with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Then you will be saved. You believe in the resurrected Christ, you are saved. 
Now your typical Muslim will tell you, I know as much about Jesus as you do. I know more about him than you do. I said, I asked one, one time, I said, did you know he, he was raised from the dead for your salvation? What do you mean by that? I said, exactly what I said. And they say, I knew you'd lie and you didn't know much about him as I do. I know the important part. You know the historics. He was a great prophet. Well, yeah, but he's much more than that. Amen. So we we can get to know him as he really is. So there are certain truths about the Lord that we must know in order to have eternal life. Eternal life isn't a place in the hereafter. Eternal life dwells in the heart of every believer by the spirit of Christ. You are in eternal life now and it's in you. And so you have to understand exactly what the Bible means when it says these things. So the word brings us life, eternal life, supernatural life of God. It brings a God or Zoe life of God to us. And health or healing to all our flesh. Health or healing to all of our flesh. So when you keep the word of God in your heart and keep ministering to that word that's in there, you can expect health and healing to your flesh all of the time. So as you feed on the word of God, as you you meditate on the word of God, as you hide it in your heart, it goes into your body and actually fights disease out of your body. Just through your holding on to it, not letting go of it, meditating on it, making it yours, making it a part of your everyday life. Uh, It's more than memorizing some scriptures or reading your your three chapters every day. This this word, you take and embrace it as a part of you, whatever part that that is in you that's lacking, there's scripture to shore that up and strengthen it and remove whatever is not lined up uh, with God's word and replace it with the strength of God's word. So the word does that on an automatic basis. All you have to do is quit fighting the word with a bunch of excuses, a bunch of mental, what we call imaginations, conflicts, mental conflicts. Amen. Uh, the Bible tells us that we are to cast down those imaginations. So you just can't just keep reading the word, reading the word, and reading the word and think it's going to take the effect when something contrary to the word pops up in your head. You have to make a decision that you're going to call that down from its exalted place. And then you're going to speak the word on top of it and make that thought leave your head and embrace the word of God. So this is where we have problems. Because people don't like to fight themselves. You know. And you will have to fight within yourself. To let the word of God win over. The Bible tells us. Don't be conformed to this world. What does the world do? Well they sin. We know that. Well I don't do that. Well, okay cool. You got to check that one off your list. But what else does the world do? They compromise with each other. Right now, people in the world, you're not allowed to say certain things. You're not allowed to tell homosexual people that homosexuality is sin. 
what the homosexual is really looking for is for the church to give it some absolution on that sin. They're looking for us to tell them it's okay. And they're putting up strong arguments and very, very um, antagonistic arguments. They're even going to the, the legal system to block our words. See, that ought to give you a clue to how powerful the word of God is. If they're willing to go to the highest court in the land to get us to shut up, telling them that what they do is sin. Well, I have the Lord in my, you don't have him 100%, baby. Something's missing. If you love that stuff, you do more and you love Jesus, you keep doing it. That's what that means, see. And so we have to understand the power that the word of God has. It, it doesn't take many people to stand up and say that's sin. For people who do it to fall under conviction. You don't have to argue with people. You don't have to go on a crusade against them. All you have to do is speak the truth from the word of God. And that puts people under conviction. If they're on the wrong side of that word that you speak. And so it's like Franklin Graham now. They kicked him off Facebook and all this. Because he still says homosexuality is sin. Long after all the the other big preachers have gone over to the other side, they either compromise or don't and don't say anything, or they um, uh, um, are silent. Well, you know when you, they start the well, you know stuff, huh? If you come up to me and tell me you're sick, I said I said, well, you're healed. I don't go well, you know. See, when I go, well, you know, we're going to get a soft answer that's going, you're going to go home with that sickness just like you came here with it. And so what we have to do as believers is understand that, uh, the gospel, the truth of the gospel has to be preached, period. Just period. You know, I, I even hear people say things like, say for instance, if for Franklin Graham, somebody who's bold like he is. Well, see, Franklin Graham, you don't just, just, Say it like that and irritate people because that rubs them the wrong way. Well, what are we doing here if if the truth is not going to rub you the wrong way? And see, many times people think they have a right to correct other people who are preaching the truth. Well, I didn't I didn't hire Franklin Graham. So how am I going to criticize him? You understand what I'm saying? It may look like it's not working. But Paul said, he says, some of you preach the gospel to cause contentions and hoping you can add to my trouble. He said, some of you preach it out of love the way you're supposed to. He said, either way, the gospel gets preached. It's better than sitting up and saying nothing. So far be it from me to criticize somebody's tactics or somebody's inflection in their words or their choice of words or whatever. As long as you're preaching the gospel, you're fine with God. How many of us do everything perfectly anyway? We're not looking to do everything right. We're looking to spit it out the best way we can. Sandy Brown, you know, who who uh, grew to be an evangelist, later was a little critical, I think, of the lady that led her to the Lord. She said this lady came in, uh, her neighbor, the, she was at her, uh, I was at her neighbor's house, and she came and she looked at me and she asked the neighbor, <laughs> can I borrow a cup of sugar? 
and she looked at me she said lady i don't know what your problem is but jesus is the answer grabbed the sugar and ran out huh but sandy got saved hey truth is truth folks as long as you're not up there trying to make it sound good and try to pretty it up and all that nonsense we add to stuff that's how you get in trouble god knows who you are when he sends you with a message just spit it out (laughs) try to be all funny and stuff so the word is that powerful it is life like that life and death the bible says we are sweet savor of christ we smell good to god he said but that that smell you ever smell somebody's perfume and it starts out good and then after a while something in your stomach goes uh-huh it's it, that's the way we are we're life unto life and death unto death you inhale too deep and it'll cut you as they say amen but when god smells us we smell good amen as long as we're being obedient to him preaching the gospel amen and so he will use our efforts with that word so don't ever let let the word be uh diminished in in its power in your eyes don't ever play the word cheap like sometimes we'll confess the word we get sick of confessing it don't you dare get sick of confessing the word amen because that word is your life amen that word is powerful it might be that you you just are on the brink of getting your breakthrough through to the other side when you get tired amen so just just keep keep it up there are a lot of things we do and we get tired of doing them but we know they're for our good you keep doing it anyway amen so we'll talk about our our uh, our people that turned it over to jesus amen when you go to his word and you start meditating on the word you have turned it over to jesus and mark let me see if i want mark or matthew mark chapter seven we're gonna uh, start there and this is a Syrophoenician woman. No, tell them to Matthew 15. I think I like that one better. Matthew chapter 15. It's so important that we understand how the word works. Or you'll be a legalist and you won't let the Holy Spirit help you very much in what you're doing. You know, you gotta know and all you're getting get understanding. This is what you gotta get. So Mark chapter fifteen. It says um verse uh, twenty two and behold a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, let me tell you something. You can't get two visions accomplished at one time. You can with God. I mean, if he decides to do it. But you see what these women is doing here. She's asking God to have mercy on her because her daughter's sick. Huh? So who is she trying to get help for, her or her daughter? In other words, let me see. You go and spend your rent money 
and then you come to church and tell the saints you gotta get your baby's diapers. Huh? That's what she's doing. The same thing. She's trying to manipulate him into healing the daughter through a mercy cry for herself. You got me? She's one of these, these, uh, people that eventually, <laughs> see, I notice it sounds extreme. Uh, there's a, a disease called Munchausen by proxy, where you see these mothers who crave attention will invent sicknesses on their kids. Huh? She won them kind of chicks. And keep taking them to the doctor and keep taking, and oh, make a wish found out about you. We want to give you $15,000. Huh? Now those things happen. These people extort money all the time. Then they find out the kid never had cancer. There was nothing ever wrong with them. You got me? So God is totally against us manipulating, trying to manipulate him to do anything for any reason. Amen. This woman is probably accustomed to get attention and sympathy for herself because of her sick daughter. It's worked with everybody else, so she figures she'd try it with Jesus. Amen? But he's not having it. Now, why does she think she has to manipulate him into doing something for this daughter? Yeah, she's, the answer is, is here. It's the not worthy clause. And we all carry it around with us. We're not worthy because he couldn't possibly want to do this just for my sick kid because we're not Jews, we're not this, we're not that. During that time, the, the, uh, uh, the, her people were considered to be dogs. You know, the, the Pharisees and the religious people referred to people who weren't Jews as dogs. And so that's what she carried around with her in her back pocket but she's trying to pretend to jesus that she's okay and she believes she belongs there but he knows better one of the problems with feeling like you deserve it when you don't is that your faith won't work so faith gets bound up in all of our feelings of unworthiness, all of our feelings of I did this wrong, all of our feelings of, well, I ain't been to church in 10 years, all of our feelings of, see, desperation will drive you there, but your faith has to get it for you. So if you're desperate, but you still got these things hanging on you, this unbelief and, and unworthiness, all of those things add up to unbelief. They keep your faith bound. That's why the Bible tells us faith works by love. See, love is the absence of iniquity. Love is the absence of, of anything from the dark side hindering. So if you got stuff hanging over your head, you need to get that cleared up first with God and get that from hanging over your head so that your faith gets released so that God can honor it and he can hear what you're saying and you can have what you say. You can only have what you say if you don't doubt in your heart. And if you doubt in your heart, that's got to be dealt with 
so that your faith can get released so that you can get what you need from God. That's why it's a good thing to, to repent every time you go before the altar. Ask God to forgive your sins. You don't know you could do something that's not pleasing to him just out of a bad habit. You know them habits we like to excuse ourselves for all the time? Sometimes those things just being too lax in, a, in allowing God to show you what he expects out of you can be a hindrance to you. So you always go to the altar and ask God. You know, you you respect him, respect that blood, respect what he did for you, and honor what he did for you. Don't ever try to get something on your own. You, you ain't nobody. You'll find that out real quick. You spend enough years doing without, you'll find out who you really are. Amen? Without him. So it says here... She says, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I mean, it's real bad. Sometimes the language we use tips off, you know, where we're coming from. We try to make it like it's such an emergency. But it's no emergency to God. He knew your situation. He knew you were coming. He knew exactly what day you were coming. And he knew what was going to make you come there. Verse 23, but he did not answer her a word and his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away. She's crying after us. So here Jesus hears her, but keeps walking, but she keeps following him. Now, sometimes we think we don't have enough faith. The fact that you keep going to him. That's faith. And see, he sees that little bit. Uh huh. And see, what she did was she got told no. But see, she's one of them tricky women. She got a lot of tricks up her bags. Huh? If the flip hairdo didn't get in this time, you know how we do. Go shopping. Oh, I know this gonna work. This is, ah, it's Louis Vuitton. Uh, umbrella situation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> might have come under his door one day when he wasn't there and he just threw it out again. You bought it. You know what I'm saying? But it had his stamp on it. So, yeah, my little designer piece is going to work. You know, oh yeah, I got to put my bracelet on my ankle. That get him over. That, oh yeah, and it shows my tattoo real good. Well, you know, I know I'm a Christian now. I ain't supposed to have no tattoos, but you know how that go. Some of your old school stuff tried it. It, it never worked, okay? Let's, let's just be frank about it. It never worked. Worked in your mind and that's all. But she got a lot of tricks up her sleeve. Huh? So she figured she that didn't work. I'm going to follow him again and try something else. That's faith. Whether we like it or not, it's faith. It's faith shrouded in a lot of human flesh, in a lot of devil's darkness, but there's faith there, and she's expressing it by not giving up, by going back to him a second time. I see your faith people tell you that's unbelief. (laughs) But where else you gonna go? Huh? If he has the words of eternal life, where else are you going to go? And she knows he's the only one who can help her. And so 
he says the disciples want to send her away but he steps in and honors the faith that she has by following him and he tells her this this is where you you get where the rubber meets the road i'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of israel why would he tell her that I'm glad nobody's got an answer. Because he's been healing Gentiles. He's been healing everybody who comes. Why would he tell her he's not sent to her? And everybody knows he's healed sinners before. Because that's what's in her mind as the reason why he's not honoring her. See, everything that's wrong in us against all these imaginations that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God will come up as some time to block our faith from getting released so that we can express the faith that we have in our hearts. Because really, she wants to ask him because she's asked him already. So she must somewhere in her believe that he's going to do it. But she's got blocks in there. He'll do it if. He would do it easier for me if. If I was, you know, like if I had, well, was saved for 15 years, this would be easier for me. If I didn't have this trouble in my life, I could get it right. You understand? If I could pray like Pastor Shirley, I could really get it. You understand what I'm saying? This comparison in your mind between you and somebody else before God is her sin. You got me? Because the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. So Jesus' job, not your job, this is not your job to do. His job. Is to point out to you where your hindrance is and get it out of the way so your faith will work. And that's what he does with this lady. That's what he does with all of us. The only reason that God has you come to an altar before him, before the minister of the Holy Spirit is for that minister to find in God what's in your heart that's keeping you from receiving what God nobody we don't come here to embarrass nobody ain't nobody here trying to be a big we ain't trying to do nothing but help you when you get to the point where you're scared to confess what what you need to a minister you're in trouble already you understand what you're in trouble because that's where your help is and see, she confesses what her problem is, and she don't even know what her problem is. You know how sometimes God can can be sneaky, anointed, and get you out of a situation, and you didn't even know you had that problem? So he tells her, he said, oh, she one of them kind of chicks you can't get rid of, see. Oh, he sizes her up right because she's following him, carrying on and still following and talking and, huh? She baby. Huh? Oh, where you think you going? You too good for me now? Huh? 
You don't quit me, I quit you. Huh? Huh. That's, well she's, I mean, <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> some of us have it, some of us don't. She, you, she working her gift. If that's all you got, that's all you got. So she has a gift of persistence and you can't turn your back on me and tell me you ain't what you ain't gonna do today. And you gonna, and you gonna do it today. You understand me? And so she's, she follows him and he turns to her. He says, I'm just come to the Jewish people. So that gets her a little bit angry. Huh? <laughs> I am not sent, verse 24, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came back and figured, okay, if you come for them people, I'm going to act like them. <laughs> right. So what, what you need, brother? But I ain't going nowhere. See, this is what faith, when faith is really there, and you understand that faith is all you got and he's all you got and you got to figure out a way to get what you need from God, you will go back again and again and again. So she goes back again and she attempts to worship him. Hmm? She softens her tone. She gets a little nicer. huh? So, Lord, please forgive me. And she says, help me. And he said, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And this ticks her off. She's been ticked off all along. Huh? She just didn't show it. She's mad because she's not a Jew. She's mad because these people have treated her people like dogs all her life. And the Bible says, if you have iniquity in your heart, God won't hear you. That's why he keeps walking every time she talks. It's the iniquity in her heart that causes him not to hear her. Look up in the first verse where he starts. When he, she says, my daughter, and he answered her not a word. That's a tip off right there. She ain't right on the inside. But she keeps following him anyway. So he says, well, she got faith in there somewhere. He said, I'm going to see if I can pull it out of her. And that's what God does with all of us. We got faith in us somewhere. But we too busy with this to use it. We too busy with that to use it. We just cut the corners here. Don't spend enough time in the word there. We all do it. And we don't use it. Then when, when we really feel we're really up a tree, we start doing a little confession. Huh? Throw him a bone. See if that will convince God to do something real big for us off a little bit of faith. So little by little, if we keep this up, he eventually has to confront that iniquity in us and get that out the way. huh? So he tells her this. 
he says it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs she said yeah that's true that's repentance folks she said you're right I've been trying to get you to treat me like a covenant woman but I'm not one so you're right I don't deserve it on the merits of being a daughter of Abraham I don't deserve it she said but I can tell you this much if God is any kind of God He created me. He created my child and my child is sick. If he's any kind of God, I don't have to eat off the table like you Jews do. And yeah, I'm mad about it right now because it's holding me out of what I need for my daughter. She said, but I tell you what, you don't have to put me at the table. Just give me the crumbs. And I know my daughter will be healed from that. You understand what I'm saying? So her faith tells her she's entitled to something. She may not have all the, the, you know, expert prayer and all the experience of being saved for 15, 20 years, but she's got faith and she has a need and she presents that need to the Lord and he must honor it. So what Jesus does is he provokes us to use our faith because we won't use it any other way. He gets you mad enough at your sickness. He gets you mad enough at your symptoms. He gets you mad enough at the, he gets you mad enough for going around in the same circles over and over and over again with this illness. He gets you, he provokes you out of just accepting it and over into faith again and thanking him for healing you and believing that he's healed you. And getting back in your word and building your faith up and getting strong in it. Amen. He provokes us out of where we are. Over into where we need to be to walk the way we want to walk. She wants her daughter well. We want divine health. But we can't have it at the level that we've been operating on with our attending to the word. It's just that simple. Sometimes we resent that God won't heal us at the level we're at. Now, I've been there. God, it wouldn't be nothing for you to take care of this. Like he said, you won't be nothing for you to obey me either. You got me? We have to have that faith obedience in order to come up to his standard. He can't change the law just because we don't feel like doing it. He can't change the word just because we don't feel like we have to do all that stuff anymore, you know. He he can't change it. So we got to start where we start. But this is how this woman gets her daughter healed. She does, uh, she says what's really on her mind. And that's what Jesus wanted to hear. See, that's a confession of her sins. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you see all of that in this this operation here. She's hiding her iniquity from him or trying to. Then she puts on her religious spirit act, you know, coming in there, worshiping him. Just like, you know, this is the I, this is all I know about being a Jew is doing this right here. So I'm going to do this right here and see if that gets. We try all the tricks that we can try to manipulate around confessing what's really bugging us huh, about our situation. And he found out this lady was very lacking 
in her number one, her opinion about God was screwy. She thinks God only does things for certain people. See, and there's some of that lurking in all of us anyway. You know, we think this person is so wonderful at it or that person is so wonderful and they can get it real easy, but I got to struggle all the time. You understand what I'm saying? And so if there's anything off in our thinking about God, about his people, any of that stuff, we get called on that. You can't get a, you can't, you, that's held against you. That's a charge against you. Amen. And so only God can uproot that stuff up out of us and show us what it is. And then you will look at it and say, well, this ain't even worth me being sick about. (laughs) So let me get rid of this. Right. God, is that what it is? Well, I repent. I'm asking you to forgive me right now. I want my healing. You understand what I'm saying? You do what you need to do. So here it is. This lady gets her, her daughters healed. He says, for he said, great is your faith. In other words, why is her faith great? Why is ours great? Because we can get a prayer through real easy? Huh? No, her faith has met resistance three times. She got three no's from God. And she kept coming. Well, I know some of you, some of you don't think that's so great, but. <laughs> those of you with the brother's number on speed dial you know i mean persistence is like second nature to some people i guess but god considers a great faith you know what i'm saying you refuse to take no for an answer you refuse to accept rejection you ref- you know what i'm saying you refuse you refuse you know we need to use that persistence with god instead of man You use it with the right person for the right things and you can prosper in life. Amen. Be one of those women that refuses to take no for an answer. Amen. You know, some women get get a number in there and put it on, try to dial it. Oh, it's one digit off. So you go down through 10 different numbers trying to find their brother. That's what I'm talking about. Huh? That's that's the kind of... That's what I'm talking about right there, huh? Or some of y'all do 20. I don't know. What's your flavor? But you got to have that kind of persistence if you want something from God. You have to refuse to take no for an answer. God, I look at your word and I see you healed all these people. I know I'm, 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 I'm on the list, honey. If I ain't next, if I ain't now, I'm on the list. Look at what you did for that raggedy talking sister. And I'm much more cultured and refined than she is. <laughs> huh? And she wasn't even in the family. I'm in the family. By the blood. Hey. So I know mine is coming. Amen. That's what you do. You learn how to relate to people. Don't, don't not relate. See yourself in the place of every single person that got what they needed from God. See yourself in the place of the people that messed up and still kept fighting and got back with God. You understand what I'm saying? Just see yourself here. Because he is no respecter of persons. So in Mark chapter 5, let's see who we have here. Oh, this is a woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5. Verse 
Now this woman's interesting. You know, women, when you see women step out and get stuff from God, I just likes all of that because God gives them the tough stuff. Huh? I mean, seriously. And see, when you see women in the Bible, they are pictures of the church. So God is showing you the capability of the church through many, and mostly with women, it's their persistence and not taking no for an answer. That's what you see. You see them overcoming great obstacles. You know, now men, it's expected. They put on the battle gear, but they got swords, they got armor bearers, they got people take a bullet for them. And women just out there with, hey, whatever God gave me, I guess I'm going to have to use whatever I got, but I still got to get the job done. And so when I see that, I'm hopeful about the church and the power that we have and the influence that we have with God, you see. So when God sends a woman to do something, he might have to mess some heads up to get it done. So in Mark uh, chapter 5 and verse, I guess, uh, starting 22. Behold, there comes a, a, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at, at the point of death. Please come and lay hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So this guy's got conditions in his head based on what he believes is how Jesus is going to heal his daughter. We all have that. Most of us have instantaneous. Oh, I go to the altar, lay hands on me, it's gone forever. Uh, It might happen for a while, but there comes a time when you get to build yourself up in the word either to keep the healing or to get it to begin with and so that 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 being that renewing of your mind is very very important if not the devil will come and talk you out of it five minutes later and you start believing your symptoms so you got to pay the price so this woman it, it says here uh she shall live jesus went with him Going with him is the same thing as saying what? Okay, it says yes. So this man at his confession turns it over to Jesus under certain conditions. When Jesus goes with him, he's saying yes to him. Yes, I'm going to heal your daughter under those conditions. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years... And it suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had, was not better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, and one, one uh, account says she said within herself. It's real important what you say within yourself. You don't say the word, you're not going to have a very prosperous life. If you say things that worry you, your problems will stay there. But if you say the word, I mean, even if you go and doubt it with your mind in the next instant, you got a chance. Amen. You got a chance for life. So she said, if I would just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Actually, she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, it was specified to her what to touch. And he says, and she did that. 
And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, the same immediately that she got healed, he immediately knew it, turned and felt that virtue had gone out of him. When you minister the anointing, you can feel the transfer of it from that one person to the other one. Amen. Like people stand up and want to argue. I quit arguing with people about whether they let the power of God go in or not. You understand? Because it's like I'm real stupid, right? You know, the power's going through me, but I can't tell nothing. I'll say, let it go in. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. No, you scared of it. Huh? Because it's shooting back in my hand going up my arm. If we don't do something, one of us is going to hit the floor. But I'm going to stand up here. It ain't going to be me. You understand what I'm saying? Because, you know, people, to be honest, people are ignorant. You have to teach them as you go. And it ain't that easy up at the altar and you got 12 other people standing here wanting the same power from God to help them and you got to stand here and wrestle with somebody as to whether they receive it or not but I understand a lot of people aren't accustomed to it you know you get in meetings and everything's going along real good and you're looking just like everybody else and you haven't been discovered yet as not knowing what's going on then you get discovered so you want to defend yourself you know all that kind of nonsense but I'm a lot better than I used to be about it, so praise God. <laughs> but anyway, you, you you have to work with people. But there is a transmission of power from lesser, I mean from greater to lesser. You got me? The Bible says the lesser is blessed by the greater. The minister is always hooked up to God. You got me? Always. So they have the greater one as a source of their power flowing into you and you have a need, you have a void of that power. Amen. Or you wouldn't be sick or you wouldn't be whatever it is. I remember going with my late husband. He wanted to go to this church we had not far from us. And at that time, we only had a Saturday meeting. So, you know, we I would always go somewhere on a Sunday. And then all of a sudden, he wanted to join. So I'm sitting there praying. I'm saying, oh, Lord, do I have, you know. But, you know, I was cool about it. I humbled myself, you know, which is good for you. You know, it's never hard, never bad for you to humble yourself. Well, at the end of our little teaching, we had a 10-week teaching. So the teacher was said, um, Barb, you know, is is this, oh, yeah, this is my doctrine. This is, you know, they want to check with you. Do, do you believe everything? That's a bad sign already, you know. But anyway, you know, I received it. And so it came, they wanted to bless everybody at the end of the <laughs> the teaching. So I'm standing there, and she's standing, standing in front of me, and she puts her hand toward me, and she goes back like that. <laughs> well, you know, God takes care of everything. And see, but the I'm hooked up. We're supposed to both be hooked up to the greater one. But see, you got no business laying your hands on another minister. You understand? <laughs> Unless you have specific instructions from God what to impart to them. And so, so we made it through that, you know, halfway through it, my poor husband said, well, you know, I know you're just doing this for me and I appreciate it. I said, eh. 
been telling you about God for 15 years. Now you're just not coming along. You know what I'm saying. You won't let them have it for real. But I wasn't. You know what I'm saying. I'm here for nice. But, uh, you know, sometimes you have to do some things in order to get people where they need to get in God. Thank God he wanted to go. And he wanted to learn some things. Amen. Praise. Not at my pace, of course. But I'm not the head of the church. So anyway, let's get me in my spot. Okay. So anyway, this woman had been sick for many years. Now, most people, when they get to the point where the doctors can't do anything for them, they're embarrassed to ask God. So this lady must have had some faith. Somehow faith got awakened in her. And it gives the answer. It says she heard about Jesus. In other words, she heard, she either had heard of him before and still had money and kept going to doctors. Or she heard, just heard of him now that the doctors could not help her. And she decides all is not lost. If I don't go, I'm going to die. And when you're bleeding to death, you're going to die. You got me? And so her situation was serious. So she heard about Jesus and she came up behind him because something in her told her to do it that way. So we believe that was the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit honored it. Jesus honored it. And so she came into the press behind him and touched him. Because she says, if I touch him, I can be made whole. Right away, her blood stopped and she was healed of that plague. Jesus knew it and turned around about him in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? Why do you say that? Who touched me? The disciples are saying, listen, all these people around you, everybody's touching you. We always trying to keep people off of you, Jesus. We doing our job. It's just too many people up in here. Huh? It's bad ushering again. Usher's got a million excuses for abusing the sheep and for not putting people in the right seat. Huh? Always. So, they're trying to get themselves out of trouble with this answer. What do you mean who touched you? All these people around you. No, somebody touched me. Now, he was wearing the priest's prayer shawl. How do I know? They, she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, not his skirt, not his apron, but the hem of his talit. Uh-huh. On the talit, there were four corners of it. They had tassels on each four corner, which when they walked by, people were supposed to look at that and remember the word and the protection of the word and their covenant with God. So as the priest walked by you, they brought the holiness of God with them. This is different than what we see now. Huh? I got my jeans on today. Excuse my jeans. Well, go put on a suit. That's how I excuse your jeans. 
Don't get up in front of God's people and start apologizing for what you chose to put on before you left the house. Or the sisters selling the, the, uh, <laughs> diet herbs. That ain't me, okay? <laughs> and I ain't jealous of them either. I could take me them herbs if I wanted to. Huh? But she was a 22 and now she a 12, so she go get the tightest five she can buy. Now we are preaching in that. Oh, don't tell me I ain't telling the truth now. These eyes, these four eyes see a lot. You understand what I'm saying? Huh? But what God intended when he developed the priesthood was that we would represent him at all times. Whenever you stand in that pulpit, in that office, you represent God. You don't represent you. We know who you are. So the little tassels, it was four of them on each corner. And as the priest walked, people would notice that it was done to draw attention, not to the priest, but to God. And that reminded them of the law. That re- reminded, and even even with that, many people felt that you would be healed if you touched one of those. Zitzit, amen. Now some of them are superstition. Some of them, maybe somebody got healed one time when they touched it or whatever. But they it represented to them holiness. It represented them their connection to God. It re- represented, and so in her mind, he's got this, this understanding that she needs to get touched or to touch somebody. Now in her condition of bleeding, she's ceremonially unclean, so she's not even supposed to be out the house. So the Holy Spirit tells her to break the law. God's not unrighteous. No, but he's full of faith and he's smart. That's the only way he can reach her so her faith can be released to receive her healing. He can't bank on the fact that the the Pharisees are not going to consider her unclean, especially Peter. He's a good one for reminding people of the law. I know her unclean, unclean. The crowd disperses and we got a riot on our hands. So instead of having her go up to him and make herself known, the Lord tells her, well, we got enough mercy to cover your breaking that law. Because <laughs> huh? if she had to, she had to break the law, he would give her repentance. Amen. It would cover her. Amen. How many times have you broken the law because you were up again? She either going to break the law or she going to drop dead. So you depend on God's extreme mercy. Oh, but that's premeditated. Well, what was she doing when she went to the doctor all the times? She's not supposed to be out there. Ain't being a Jew, you don't go to the doctor. 
Not back in the day you didn't. You went to the priest. That was your doctor. So the sister between a rock and a hard place. Many people have died, died sick or died, you know, out trying to obey the law of God. All these preachers that, that die of cancer after they backslid. You don't think there's mercy for them to come back to God and heal and get healed and go on, but they rather stay in their pride and, 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 and away from their help. Because they've been running from God's their problem. They're runners, professional runners from God. The devil gets you backed in a corner. You can't trust anybody. You can't tell the truth. Jim Baker's still alive. Tammy Faye's been gone for a long time. She could have been alive. There is a place in God for her to live and not die. You got me? If he's alive, she ought to be. Amen. Praise God. So, he tells her, her faith has made her whole. Her faith has made her whole. That word whole really means to be healed, to be at peace. Why does he need to tell her that? Well, we just said it because she broke the law. She's afraid of being discovered because she knows she, number one, she ain't supposed to be out the house. Number two, she's not supposed to be mingling with people. And definitely she ain't supposed to touch no holy man, period. Because she's unclean. Only the clean are allowed to touch the clean. And so there she is, just all toe up from the flow up, don't want to get discovered. And then Jesus uncovers her. Uh-huh. Why'd he do that? Then fronted the sister out and said, Who touched me? Where you at? The disciples can't figure out what's going on. Talk to him. He's the chief usher. Wait, we just do what he tells us to do. So whenever Jesus calls you out, it's for a blessing, folks. Even if you might get a reprimand to start, it's going to end up with a blessing. Amen. The Bible says, when the righteous slap me all upside my head, it is a kindness to me. Amen. So he pulls her out of the crowd. Why? He wants to reassure her. He wants to reassure her. He doesn't want. See, what happens when we do something that's a little bit different than what everybody else does, the devil bugs you about it. Now, did he rather than have the devil follow her away from that meeting and steal her healing from her, he seals it with his word. Your healing has to be sealed inside your heart. Sometimes that's why it takes us so long to get it. It's got to be there in a solid way. First thing the devil say to her, you ain't healed. You, you ain't even supposed to touch him. What you touch him for? Did you hear him say, who touched me? What you touch him for? So he knew immediately who it was. And he reassures her. He said, be at peace. You did. In other words, you didn't do anything wrong. He said, that was your faith that made you touch me. And I am a faith God. Faith overrides the law every single time. Amen. Faith always trumps the law. 
it goes above and beyond the law. Grace over mercy. All of the virtues of the Holy Spirit override the law. The law is just a teacher. It teaches you right from wrong. But the teacher ain't God. God is the one who made the law to teach us right from wrong. So when God says you got it, you got it. You don't fall back on the law and say, I can't have it because I'm not supposed to be out here. But I guarantee you the devil will tell you something like that. You know, the, the, the church did more to mess up faith givers by imposing tithing on you, whether you believed it or not. Huh? You were sitting there doing the best you can with your, your 3% or your 4% or whatever it was and getting blessed. And then all of a sudden some religious person come up to you, tither. You say, yeah. You better. Because <laughs> just as it is illegal for him to ask you, you don't owe him the truth. In fact, you don't owe him any answer. Your giving is between you and God. Huh? They have more shipwrecks in churches demanding people tithe and they no more believe that it would, they were going to get a blessing than anything. Take their bill money give it to the church and then they they standing in line looking for the church to do something they refuse to do it that's why you got a lot of empty churches now you got a lot of disappointed people because they've been oversold overpromised and underperformed by the minister amen so whatever you do you do by faith but i'm telling you jesus's mercy is bigger than the old testament law that's why it was done away with amen and so when we go to God, understand that he wants you to turn it over to him. Whatever happens after that is on God. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you for goodness and mercy that follow us. Thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. Now, you know, the devil will try to mess with people's heads. Now, some people that do tithe. And, and, you know, the devil say stuff, use what I said to say things like, well, see, you shouldn't be doing that. No, because you're doing it in faith. It would be unbelief for you go backwards from what you're given. Amen. And so, you see, it's all a faith thing between us and God. But know that in the heart of every person who's giving less than is a desire to give more than. Amen. That. That tithe is an Old Testament marker that lets you know that if you if you are blessed at 10%, you'll be blessed more at 12. You'll be blessed more at 15. You'll be blessed more at 20. So don't stop at your 10. You got me? Don't ever rest on your laurels because if you've got confidence at 10, you can have more later. People who give less you got to get your confidence up. Step out and start trusting God. The, the times when we say add a dollar to your offering and don't go back again. Most of y'all went back again. That's all right. That's between you and God. But you understand what I'm saying. Amen. I don't know if you went back or not. I just. But generally it's true. You get out there and you feel, ah, I'm giving $11. Go back to 10. You say, Phew. 
almost gave more money. <laughs> you got me? Don't be like that. You can trust God. Amen. All right, we're done. Praise God. Amen. Anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Well, the Lord wants the grandparents to understand that this is a season of rest for you. This will be the easiest, the easiest season of your life, says the Lord, because you have earned the right to rest in me. Let me have what it is that concerns you. Let me have it and don't take it back. Let me have it and release it to me. Just say, Father, I release to you my children, my grandchildren, my every care. And God's saying, I've got this. I've got it from the foundation of the earth. And I will allow you to see and enjoy, says the Lord. As you rest in me, you will see and enjoy what I am doing in your life, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We're done.